Jimmy T didn't get a damn thing. You guys. You guys. All right? Now look. You're talking about Okay? You got something special here. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Offensive and defensive lines. Nice job. Okay? Got me? Skill guys. Nice job. When, it, when the numbers call. Running back. Okay? Nice job. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Gold Faithful. 49ers radio show brought to you by DynastySportsEmpire.com. Fantasy sports, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, Dynasty Sports Empire has you covered. Visit them online, DynastySportsEmpire.com. Join a startup football, hockey, basketball league today. And also the podcast network at DSC, which we are a part of. Football shows like Duke and Boy, MG and the Bod, TJ Smith's War Room, and uh, hockey fans out there, the Hockey Guys podcast is, is awesome. I'm Brian Peacock. Right next to me is Nick Winkler. Jimmy T. Jimmy T. I love how he just says running back. Yeah. He no, looks Carlos Hyde right yeah. in the face and just calls him running back. Like, like your you. name doesn't matter. Your job matters. Do your job. You did it. Good, good, good job. job. Good job. We're moving forward. Love, running back. God, I love me some Jimmy T. You know, you mentioned uh, Duke and Boy. Yes. Actually did a little guest appearance there. So, uh, yeah, the both of us, we talked a lot of 49er football. We're going to right. talk a lot of 49er football here today. One and oh. Oh man, it's awesome! Twenty to three victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Monday Night Football prime time, mm-hmm. last Show- game of the week. Everybody's right. watching. Showed the world that the Forty ers are not dead. Yeah, you know they came out in those alternate black uniforms. A lot of, a lot of talk about those. A lot of chatter about the all. What do you feel? We about should the probably all- get that out of the way. Yeah. I am not a fan. Oh really? No. I uh, see. I didn't mind them so much. You, you know, obviously it's not traditional, and I don't want to see that out there every single day. But I felt like you know you got a whole new 49er just feeling right. I mean, there's you lose so many guys, you bring them in. You got Jimmy T. You know, and you come out and you show everybody, look, we're wearing black, we're going to punch you in the mouth. And they did! They just didn't look right. It was hard to when see you the see numbers. It, right, when yeah. you see it close up, you're like, okay, that looks nice. But zoomed out on TV, yeah, you can't tell who's who. Yeah. The only About the only guy for the first half I could even figure out was Aaron Lynch with the sloppy white long sleeve. Oh my goodness, underneath. I wanted to talk about that so badly. <laughs> Aaron Lynch, get some Under Armour or something. What is with the baggy white tee? Uh, but at least I could tell who that guy was, and then eventually I was like, okay... You know, that's 20, that's Acker, that's 28, that's 29. Okay, now I'm, I, you know, you know who the guys are, but game one, week one, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't even tell who's who right now. Yeah, 88, 89, it's hard to tell. What are right. those numbers? And the blacks don't look good with the gold helmet, just kind of didn't all. Niners yeah. Nation's got a poll up right now, and 67% approve. They're they're yeah. liking it. You know, these are hardcore 49er fans. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, the 49ers made a ton of cash, you know, so of course. Uh, mission accomplished, I guess. You saw thousands of fans at Levi's Stadium with the brand-new jerseys on. So uh, I won't now, be buying one. No. But, but at the same time, seeing it twice a year, I'm okay with it. Eh, whatever. I'm not too worried yeah, about it. <laughs> yeah. I will uh, say this, though. Uh, if these uniforms were just a ploy by Jed York to get the Gold Rush cheerleaders into some leather-looking outfits, wow! Uh, maybe he's a wow. super genius there. So, yeah, uh, yeah. More on that to come later in the show. <laughs> uh, we got a little special segment. Okay. Uh, later on, uh, yeah. Reggie Bush injured in this game on his second touch. Uh, no real surprise there. If uh, anyone who's followed football and knows Reggie Bush's history, uh, he he looked really uh, like he was. Tiptoeing into the the line there, and then he tiptoed off the field. Yeah. And luckily, that, they say it's not that serious; just a strained calf, yeah. no tear. And I didn't expect him to be 
a huge part of the offense. You know, he, he did get some touches early. I was a little surprised with, with an early call. It was third and short. They spread the offense out, and then they hand it to Reggie Bush up the middle. I, I wasn't a big fan of that. You know, you got Hyde out there. He's pounding the ball, and then you, you go with a finesse play. Yeah, you didn't really need to get tricky at that point because you're just crushing him off the ball. You know? Right. Which they did all night long, leading the NFL in rushing right now. 230 rushing yards as a team. Yes. Fun to see. 5.9 yards per carry. Ooh, offensive 40, line looks solid. So it's 41 more yards than the number two team, which is the Chicago Bears. Woo! Over 100 yards more than 25 other teams. I on love the ground. it. It looked great. Hyde looked great. He looked like, you know, I watched a lot of games this weekend. He looked, he looked like the best running back in the NFL. You know, obviously it's one week, but... Fast, strong, quick, elusive. Oh, he man. had all the moves. The spin move. Actually, let's hear from Carlos Hyde how he felt about it. A spin move killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I actually tweeted out hashtag nasty spin because yeah. it was. It was, oh, it's filthy. It killed him. It killed him. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, the fourth fewest passing yards in the league, though, mm-hmm. 165. No surprise uh, there. Didn't need know. it. It was on the fifth fewest attempts, so you would yeah. expect to be in that range. 83 QB rating, so that ranks 20th. That's not huge numbers, but it's not a, a disaster or anything. They were obviously trying to scheme some short plays, sure. kind of get him in rhythm, and obviously they didn't need to lean on Kaepernick at all no. with the way the running game was working. And he looked good running as well. It was nice to see him get out of the pocket, scramble, get some yards, almost almost died on one scramble. You know, dude needs to, oh, yeah. needs to not try to stretch for that extra yard on the sideline. Scary as heck, oh. but then awesome to see him jump yeah. back up and be like, whatever. Actually, go. what came out of my mouth was I was watching it with, with my wife and daughter, and I said, oh, wow, Kaepernick just died. Oh, my goodness, he just got up. Look, he's yeah. happy. Oh, my, okay, all right. That was, that was scary. They were the 10th overall offense, so they didn't need to throw the ball. 395 yards. Only three teams had more first downs mm-hmm. than the 25 times San Francisco moved the chains. But one thing, man, and we talked about this before the season, and, and it's it's been an ongoing problem, 40% red zone yeah. touchdowns. So I, that, another timeout, another uh, play clock running out right. there in the red zone. And I, when I saw it, I groaned. I'm sure it was a collective groan this, amongst 49ers it, fans. It was, the beginning of this game was, it, it started out very ugly. Um, yeah, a lot last, of penalties in this game, too. Last year, the 49ers were 43% touchdowns in the red zone, so they were just pretty much right on that mark. Yikes. Obviously... They looked good. It wasn't sort of a play call problem or it wasn't, you know, they had the the big 10-yard run on first down in the red zone and then that got called back. So right the on first the holding one, call, yeah. And then obviously ended in a blocked field goal. They had two touchdowns, two field goals, one blocked field goal. Defense looked times. great, though. I mean, special teams definitely had some mistakes there. The hide fumble was, was a big one. But the def- defense stopped, you know, and they, they did their job. The blocked field goal, same the thing. Fumble. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you I said hide. Yeah, oh, no. Hide. I'm so sorry. I'm bowing to you right now. I did not mean to disrespect you at all. That spin move killed him. <laughs> it sure did. Yeah, 8 for 57 on the penalties. Not so much the yards as, as just the, they were killers. You know, there were a lot of drive killers in there where it would be. Hayne even had a, a good punt return on his second attempt, but that got called back for the penalty. So, you know, it's one of these things like obviously nobody wants to commit penalties, but but it's something they need to clean up going forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Let's also remember how last season started, too. Before we get too pumped up on a 1-0 start, I mean, Niners beat the Cowboys 28-17. Mm-hmm. How, how'd that end up? Niners 8-8, eight eight, Cowboys 12-4. Yes. So it's yes. just one they week. They made Tony Romo look really bad they in did. that game. Yeah, they made Teddy Bridgewater. I, I wrote down uh, an adjective to describe Teddy Bridgewater's passing style. Lofty. Oh, <laughs> Very, very lofty. And this was the one question I had about him coming out of Louisville in the draft. You never see a fastball, so you're wondering, mm. does he just not have one? Right. Because he, it shows a lot of touch. But if all you have is that, 
You know, it's like when you played the really old versions of Madden and you just tap the A button and yeah. the ball, it's almost like a punt, the way the quarterback yeah, throws so the ball. so high. He throws it like that. Yeah. And he's a skinny guy. Too and high. Just the, the way, <laughs> Too high. Just the way he throws. and Yeah. His arm just looks like it. the way it whips through the, the throwing motion. It, it, and just how skinny the guy yeah, is. Yeah. You can see why scouts good. would stand up next to the guy and be like, mm, no. maybe we want Blake Bortles. He's a more impressive physical Which imposing Which a lot of person. people do. Um, a lot I of do scouts. like a lot of things about Teddy Bridgewater, but they he had no chance in that game. They made the Vikings one dimensional really early. Yeah, and great, great defensive schemes written up there by uh, by Mangini. Executed very well, Navarra Bowman. He looked amazing in this one. Can we can we talk for a second just about him because he was in there on exactly. 55 of 56 defensive snaps. The only time he came out was that injury scare moment, right. which I'm sure, you know, Gold Faithful out there <laughs> held their breath. And it was just like, oh, God. Oh, is that Bowman? No. Yes. No, it's not. Oh, he's back in there. Next back. He took one play off and he's back. That's amazing. Yeah, Pro Football Focus had a plus 2.6 grade, mm-hmm. which was the second highest 49er. Obviously, Carlos Hyde I was, say, yeah, I bet was you number could guess. one. He had a 4.2 grade. Alex Boone was plus 2.4. Antoine Bethay, 2.2, and Ian Williams, nose tackle, yeah, 1.4 grades. So. You know, um, my boy, I want to I do an update every week on my boy. Yeah. Of course, I'm talking about Bradley pinioned inside the 20. That's right. He pinned two inside the 20. He had an average three punts, 46.7 yards. He looked great. He looked solid. Looks like he, that's a good move there after one game for pinion. Plus, he, he was kicking those, uh, he was booting the kickoffs. He, he, so much hang time. There was one I actually, as it was coming down, I'm like, you're not going to return that from the end zone. And then you look, and there's already a 49er like at the eight yard line. Right. He, he had so much hang time on it. It was Depth beautiful. Plus hang time. So he gave it. He actually gave them a chance to, because if you just kick it out of the end zone, that's at the 20. But if you give a guy a chance to say, hey, go ahead and try yeah. to return it, and then you stop him inside the 20. And if you kick it high enough really... and just get it inside the end zone, then they're going to think, oh yeah, I can get this back to the right. 20. And yeah, pinion impressed. He did impress. The, I mean, the whole – Eric Mangini threw pretty much a perfect game. He did. Right? He did. The one field goal. I mean, wow. That was beautiful. It was unbelievable. The timing of the blitzes, almost like you couldn't call a game that perfect. There yeah. had to be some luck involved because the blitzes were just hitting. Uh, that that Jaquiski tart blitz that up was the middle. beautiful. A deep in Vikings territory. That was awesome. You know, since we're talking about the game here, should we hand out our game balls? I mean, that's kind of what we planned in, instead of a top five this week. Maybe right. we just hand out five game balls. Let's do that. Our big board will be the game balls. Um, well, let's see what the 49ers did with their game ball. That's nice. That's great. That's one. Yeah. Respect the opponent. Okay? Relax. Regenerate. Get yourselves right. We got Pittsburgh. Yep. Got it? That's how fast that goes, guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got one thing. We got a game ball for Jimmy T. Jimmy T! So he's got to make your list, does he? No. He does not. He did not. Did he make your list? He did not. (laughs) I mean, it's almost like... We knew that the Niners did that, though. Yeah, it's almost like you have to take him out of the equation. Right. And uh, He's the head. You could give a coaching staff game ball, but I have... And in, let me just, I'll just start with my list. Okay. My number one game ball is Carlos Hyde. Okay, I like it. And I don't see how you could go any other way there. Oh, I'll show you how I went well, some other hey, way. Well, number yeah. two is Eric Mangini. Yeah, that's pretty good. And you're giving your game ball to coaches, and I could see why, you know, obviously Mangini's underneath Tom Sula, but I'm going to go Mangini just because of what we just said. He, yeah. He, he dialed it up almost perfectly. So many questions on that defense to do that in prime time. It was really just fun to see. Beautiful. Number three, this is tough because I have Joe Staley slash Alex Boone. Ooh, all right. So, it's kind so of left side. It's kind of like offensive unit, but the left side was crazy dominant. It was. It was nice. They just athletically... 
physically beat up the Minnesota Vikings. They had so much success running the ball to the left side. Left offensive lineman, I put it as LOL. Yes. Okay, Just, like that's that. what that's going to mean going like, forward. Oh, yeah. It's not It's not laugh out loud. It's left offensive lineman. I like All that. Right. I like that a lot. Number four, Jeep Christ. I like it. He called a pretty darn good game in his own right. He did. So you give it two coach balls. Two coach balls. All right. So far, number five, Navarro Bowman. So yeah. awesome to see him back. And he was the beast that he always was. Obviously, Jim Tom Sula, Kenneth Acker. The young corner, you know, to I, show up and just be balling from day one, and they really didn't talk about him too much, which is what you want. That means they weren't throwing at him. He was I, had great coverage. I totally agree. The young secondary, Antoine Bethay was doing mm-hmm. his thing. He, he was good. just an animal, and I, I I really liked when they picked him up. An upgrade over Dante Whitner. Yeah, which is yeah, surprising. I agree with that. He was a big loss that year. And so second year in a row, but they looks legit. Defensive line, obviously, um, that's a unit thing because they just crush people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they stopped the run. They made the Vikings one-dimensional. What do you got? Let's hear your game. So ball. my number one is your number two. It's Eric Mangini. And it's it's those defensive schemes that he ran up. I mean, early they had their backs up against the wall twice, you know, with the blocked field goal and then the Hain-muffed punt. And they, they dialed up five sacks in this game, and it seemed like everyone came at the right time. Sack one, third and five. It was the tart that you just talked about. Sack two, Third and seven, it was Lynch that got close, and then Tank just got in there and, and finished things off. Sack three, it was first and ten. So when you can get a sack on first down, that just changes an entire offense's scheme for that. And it was with one minute into the second half. So it was like, all right, we're coming out of the break. Boom. Bowman eats up the guard, but they in there gets the sack. Sack four, final drive, first and ten. Bowman gets the sack. It was beautiful. And then, of course, sack five ends the game, fourth and eight. Aaron Lynch in his ugly white T-shirt <laughs> in there getting the sack. He, I like the way he did it, too. He just kind of like pulled him towards him. Yeah, and then he tried to stiff arm his way yeah. out of it, and he just grabbed his arm. He's like, no, you're coming with I'm me. I'm so much bigger than you. You're you don't even ground. know. Number two, Carlos Hyde. And it was hard. I, I, I almost had him at number one. I mean, obviously. But, but a lot of what he did is what the offensive line did and the, and the zone-blocking schemes and the three tight ends that the Niners did in there. And just the fact that they – Beat that Minnesota defense up. They did. And they were tired at the end of that game. That was fun to watch. Number three, I actually gave it to the entire offensive line. Okay. One sack allowed, and it wasn't even really a sack. They ran out of bounds. Zero-yard loss. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And they got 230 yards rushing. They lead the NFL in rushing. They had their penalties, but as a whole... They gave Cap time. They created passing lanes. There were times when he stepped up and actually had a lane. Yeah, the receivers might not have been open, and he ran for it, but it looked good. Cap had time. Hyde obviously looked amazing. Fun to watch. Number four. But Marcus Martin. Yeah. The red zone penalty. Not good. You had first and goal inside the five-yard Like I said, line. they made mistakes. They made mistakes That's for right. sure. They're young. Well, with how good the 49ers played, there's still a lot of room to improve, which right. is a good sign. Great sign. Yeah, those eight penalties were big. I don't want to see that again. Cap. It's my fourth ball. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it, it's not because of his overall game. He managed the game. He looked good. He didn't make those big mistakes. He, when he needed to run, he ran. He picked up first downs. He, he made, he even got out in front of Hyde on that touchdown run. He was ready to block. I was a big fan of that. I really liked that. Plus, he looked great on play action. I mean, yeah, that's probably goes to Chris, you know, with the play calls and whatnot, but he was 12 of 14 on play action passes. And they ran a lot of play action yeah, passes. Yeah, they did. That was, that was really great. Number five. The cheerleaders. <laughs> Catwoman. They look so like noticed, Catwoman. You noticed the same thing I did. Oh, my goodness. I was like, oh, what? whoa. What is that? That's amazing. Yeah. I want those back. They, they can keep those all season for <laughs> all I care. <laughs> no alternate cheerleading uniforms. Please <laughs> stick with those. Uh, so do, do you want to try to uh, war this out? 
and, uh, and make yeah, one I list mean, out of this? We've got Hyde and Mangini one too, so that makes it a little bit yeah. tricky. What, what do you want? The I think we can go with Hyde. I mean, okay. without him, you know, obviously he was the star of the game. So let's put the player first. Right, I'm just gonna write running back on here. Oh, running back. Yeah, yeah. running hey, back. Good job, running back. Yeah. Do it again next time. Mangini will have to be two then. Absolutely. We both had the offensive, offensive line as line, three. Number three. And then it gets real different. You had Kristen Bowman. I had Cap in the cheerleader. So it's a little <laughs> bit tough there. I like your Chris call. I mean, obviously he he you know he called those plays that that the Forty ers right. ran. And I mean, Tom Sula, Chris Mangini, they could all kind of be one. They kind of deserve to be up. All there. right. Why don't number two? Why don't we just put coaching staff? Let's do that. Okay. I like that. Number four. I like Bowman. Bowman. I like that call a lot. Sure. He he looked like a beast out there. He was leading that offense. Great to have him back. So do we got, give the game ball to the cheerleaders? I think or so. do we get, I think we go cheerleaders. I'll let you call that one. <laughs> Cap's great game wasn't fantastic. Right. He managed the game, and the cheerleaders yeah, managed he, the crowd. His uni didn't look quite as good yeah. on him. <laughs> That's a good list. I like it, man. Should we uh, let's let's talk to our guest today, Mr. Matt Barrows. Joining us now, 49ers beat writer from the Sacramento Bee. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Barrows. Of course, it's Matt Barrows. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, so 1-0, fantastic start to the season. The biggest story for me, offensive line. It was the biggest question mark heading into the season. They, You know, they made their mistakes, but a lot of bright spots there too. Just that one sack allowed. But am I being too optimistic about this O-line? Well, they um, they gave them um, something to do. Uh, they didn't. <laughs> there we go. They didn't allow you know they didn't allow the the Vikings to take the fight to the offensive line. The offensive line was aggressive from you know snap one, and uh, I think that had a big uh, uh, you know a big factor in the uh, uh, in the game. I mean, uh, you know you, you you read the Vikings quotes and you uh, you talk to the Forty ers and the Vikings were huffing and puffing at the end of uh, the first drive. Right. And so, you know, from that point forth, uh, the 49ers really had them on the ropes. I know the score didn't reflect that, but uh, there was a feeling on the field, as it turned out from talking to these guys afterwards, that, um, you know, they, they were very much winning the game uh, at the outset. And that, and that took a lot of the sting, I think, out of the, of the Vikings' pass rush. And, um, yeah, no, uh, really no sacks. I think there was one, but it was really a Run out of bounds play. or yeah, something. Exactly, yeah, after a, a no gain. So, um, yeah, a, a good start. And, um, you know, if, if you're looking for issues and problems, you, you could note that, you know, as you would imagine, the, the 49ers ran better to the left side of course. than they did to the right side. You know, you've got Joe Staley Expected, on the left side. Expected, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a 300-pound tight end, really. Um, I mean, he's that fast, and he can get out there. And, boy, this, this zone blocking uh, scheme really suits Joe Staley probably above all else. You know, Matt, you mentioned the tight ends. They, they ran a lot of three tight end sets. I mean, that, that's just a great way, like you said, to kind of to kind of punch Minnesota in the mouth early and just kind of get them back on their heels. Yeah, and that, that was a big question last year. I mean, uh, just about every uh, post-game press conference, the, the question to Jim Harbaugh was, why did you guys use so many wide receivers? Why didn't you use your tight ends? Because that's what Jim Harbaugh and uh, Greg Roman did early on right. when they got to San Francisco. It was a, a tight end heavy offense, a run heavy offense. Last year, for for some reason, it still hasn't really been articulated. They went with wide receivers, uh, three wide receivers, four wide receivers, five wide receivers, and uh, the tight ends and the fullback came off the field. That didn't happen yesterday or on Monday, and uh, 
you know, um, yeah, the 49ers decided fairly early on that they had talent at tight end. Uh, they had eight guys here in the offseason. They kept four of them, really kept five, because uh, uh, Rory Anderson is on injured reserve. And, um, you know, to their credit, they've, they've built a, uh, a scheme and offense around those strengths, and those guys were on the field quite a bit. So looking at this run game, Matt, uh, obviously Carlos Hyde carried the ball 26 times. Extrapolate that over 16 games, that's 415 carries for a season. They leaned on him heavily after Reggie Bush went out of the game. I don't know how much of a role Reggie Bush was supposed to play. Uh, he was in there early. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume he wasn't going to really just just run entire series. I think they have sort of a plan for him. But if Bush is going to be out, and even with, with him just being seemingly always one play away from going down, more so than most players, I guess everyone's technically one play away, uh, Hayne is kind of a work in progress as a pure running back. Do you think Mike Davis is a guy that's going to be active in more games going forward just because he's more the other guy that's built after Carlos Hyde to be an every-down grinder? Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I'd be surprised if uh, Davis isn't up for Sunday's game in Pittsburgh. You know, the, the question is whether they're able to, to kind of um, utilize those outside runs like uh, Carlos Hyde was able to do and like Reggie Bush was able to do. I think that was all kind of part of the same game plan. Reggie Bush can reach the outside, um, you know, as as well as anybody can. Mike Davis is more of a between the tackles uh, runner, and, and and frankly, he did a good job of that. I thought in the preseason, um, you know, often you know uh, getting uh, something out of nothing, which was uh, Frank Gore's probably his best trait when right. he was here. Uh, even even on those plays where they were stacking the box, he got something. He usually got something. And uh, Mike Davis is the same way, but he's very much a between-the-tackles runner. You know, I, I think that it, it, the, the 49ers will be just fine without Reggie Bush um, for this game because because Mike Davis is good at that. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I expect it to be, you know, whatever portion of snaps that Reggie Bush was going to get on Monday – uh, Mike Davis will get something similar uh, against the Steelers, and yeah, yeah, you, you, he they didn't weren't able to do that because you know Jared Hayne isn't as polished as those other two guys, and you know frankly they they didn't want him in the game handling the the ball at, at running back as much as they would have uh, Reggie Bush. You mentioned the tight ends already. The zone blocking scheme got to give Jeep Christ a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. I really love what they were doing on offense with the run game, the pass game as well. It seemed like it was weird because when you look at the numbers, we were just actually on another podcast as guests a little bit earlier. I talked about the numbers. They, the numbers kind of look the same, the same, same old 49ers, you know. But the way it happened looked so much different on the field with with the outside zone blocking runs um, and the the rhythm passing. It seemed like they're really trying to get Colin Kaepernick in a rhythm with short passes. They were scheming guys open, little dump offs, almost like long pitch plays to the running back. Um, is that something we're going to see a lot of more of almost like an old West Coast style offense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we saw a lot of that from Blaine Gabbert in the in the preseason. And uh, that got him into a rhythm and got him into a comfort zone. Um, and uh, I think the plan in the preseason was to sort of the opposite, to take Colin Kaepernick out of the comfort zone and force him to do something that he's not as comfortable with, which is um, staying in the pocket and throwing from the pocket. But, um, you know, it's the regular season now. They want to get him in a ri- rhythm, and they're, they're doing the same things with him that they did with uh, Gabbard during the preseason. Um, uh, you know, a lot of rollouts. So, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick is very good 
at throwing on the run. And, and one of you know the things that separates him from other quarterbacks is he's equally good uh, rolling to his right, which is you know he's right-handed. That's that's probably the most natural side. But he's also good rolling out the other way. And uh, you know I, I think that's a real advantage for somebody like Jeep Christ that. You, you're not limited, um, and uh, a defensive coordinator can't pigeonhole you to say, okay, this guy's only going to be rolling out to his right, so uh, you know, that, that's half the field that uh, we, we've got covered uh, you know, on any given play. So he's got perhaps more options than uh, you normally would when you decide to roll your quarterback out as much as the 49ers probably are going to at least in the in the first half of the season. And you know, Matt, we 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 sat here. We've been talking about the offense. Um, obviously, they did a fantastic job uh, heading into the season. Another one of our our biggest concerns was was the loss of defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. You know, uh, but after watching this game and Eric Mangini's defensive schemes, I mean, they they just looked brilliant to me. It seemed like every time they needed a big play from their defense, Mangini was was pulling up the the perfect blitz package. And, and again. Just like the offensive line here, am I being too optimistic here? Is this just a one-game thing, or, or is this something you know that, that we could see going forward? Well, um, is it a one-game thing? We're going to find that out pretty fast. I mean, they, uh, Mangini had an advantage in Week 1 because no one had seen his, his defense before. Right. Uh, I'm sure it's very similar to, to what he ran in Cleveland with the Jets. He's got much more talent. Um, it's it's similar to Vic Fangio, really. I mean, Vic Fangio had been a coordinator at um, you know for for a quarter of a century, really. Um, but um, you know, you're, you're as good as the uh, the chess pieces on your board, and um, he had great chess pieces with the Forty ers and so does Mangini. So um, it it really is a uh, a coordinator dream job, but. You know, it, it was still new. I, I, don't, I don't think the Vikings knew exactly what was coming. Um, you know, Kenneth Acker was talking about the disguises that uh, the 49ers were using on Monday and, and how they seemed to uh, flummox uh, Teddy Bridgewater a bit. Uh, you know, will Ben Roethlisberger be as, uh, you know, surprised as Bridgewater was? He's a, he's a much more veteran quarterback. Um, and he has the benefit of, of having seen the 49ers on Monday. So we'll, we'll have to see going forward. But my sense is that this, not, I don't want to say that Monday was the high water mark, but it's going to be tougher for the 49ers to surprise teams like that uh, moving forward. I'm glad you brought up Ben Roethlisberger because the 49ers dominated the line of scrimmage, which is something uh, they've been doing for a while. You know, obviously, always the goal there. They forced Bridgewater to beat them on Monday night. And uh, while they stopped the run, and he was not up to the challenge. Even Coach Zimmer after the game said, quote, Teddy did not play well. Um, and you had an article that, that mentioned some of that. If Mangini's crew is successful forcing Pittsburgh to be one-dimensional on Sunday, uh, Roethlisberger's the type of veteran QB that could still make life very difficult. And uh, he's much t- harder to bring to the ground than, yeah. than skinny Ted Bridgewater. No doubt. Yeah, you know, uh, Roethlisberger has made his bones by um, staying in the pocket and, uh, you know, uh, connecting on those deep passes. I mean, keeping plays alive has been what he's been best at. That's what uh, makes Ben Roethlisberger stand out from other, other quarterbacks. So if you're going to blitz, you've you got to get that guy down because right. uh, he's, uh, he's got the strength to stay up. He's got the arm strength to get it downfield. And he's got, uh, you know, a couple of really good uh, downfield uh, pass catchers, uh, Antonio Brown being prime among them. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's that's the big question. I mean, uh, Acker 
noted that Bridgewater did recognize a couple of the blitzes. And, you know, he's at the line of scrimmage, and, you know, the 49ers can, can hear him calling out the blitzes. And, um, you know, at, at that point, it's like, okay, what do, you, what do you do with the 49ers defense? The guys figured it out. But he was never able to make them pay. Uh, and that's the question on, on, on Sunday. Will Ben Roethlisberger, A, sort of figure out uh, some of the times when the 49ers are coming with extra men, and will he be able to uh, take advantage of that? And, and really, he's, he's done a good job of that throughout his career. So uh, it, it's, it's a chess match like it always is. Uh, I think the guy playing chess on Sunday is better than the one that the 49ers had on uh, on Monday. Well, not to mention, you know, coming up this weekend, uh, it, it seems like everything's stacked against the Niners at this point. You know, the Steelers played the opening night on Thursday night, so they've got the extra rest. The Niners have a short week. They played Monday night. The Niners have to travel to Pittsburgh. It's that dreaded 10 a.m. start time for a West Coast team. I mean, it, it does seem like a lot's against them. Probably no Reggie Bush in this game as well. Uh, the one thing that's going good for the 49ers is that Le'Veon Bell will still be out. So, I mean, is there some hope going into this weekend? I mean, obviously, you know, you come off a big win, you feel good about it. But I know that, that the 49ers are kind of looking at it as like, you know, no excuses. This is what it is. We knew this coming in. Uh, is that still kind of kind of the, the way going forward for them? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I would add a, a, another item that's in their favor, which is that nobody thinks that, they're going to win. Right. That uh, all, all those uh, all those things that you mentioned going against them that can, you know, oftentimes that uh, you know creates a, a persecution complex that really benefits a team. Um, I remember uh, in 2011, nobody thought that the 49ers were going to go into Philadelphia, which had been a, a real house of horrors for them uh, in, in the previous few visits, with Terrell Owens always seeming to have a 200-yard receiving game uh, against them. And uh, they they came out and they won that game and and that was sort of the uh, um, the the bell uh, tolling for their resurgence that year, 2011. That was a signal to everybody that gee, this this is a legitimate team. They can go on the road and they can beat a good squad like uh, like the Eagles were back then. You know that and to me that would be a similar feat uh, for Jim Tomsula and his crew if they go into Pittsburgh. Then all of a sudden, you know, the narrative changes dramatically. Sure. Um, the national narrative that, gee, that this team has just uh, been uh, raked over the coals and they're not going to be able to compete. But uh, I, I think that changes quite a bit. And, um, you know, they, they believe in themselves a little bit more. Um, and, um, you know, it starts to snowball. So, you know, you don't want to say that this is a big game because it's, it's, it's week two out of a 16-game season. But, uh, like I said, I, I think a... Almost in a way, a win would be a bigger deal than a loss would be, uh, if if you catch my drift. Of course, that they, that they can really build on that, and that would be that would be something if they were able to get a win uh, in Pittsburgh, which, by the way, is Jim Tom Sula's hometown. So that's another kind of layer of pressure, and uh, I'm sure he didn't want that to be the, the second week of the season, <laughs> uh, but uh, it is, and uh, that's. Uh, sort of an us-against-the-world scenario. Yeah, and you mentioned you know, it may be changing the narrative if they do win. I mean, if you look inside the numbers over the last five years, the, the 49ers are 12-3 and three in those 10 a.m. East, East start times. Uh, so it, it basically, it, it's not out of the question, and you know, it would really set up a, a, a pretty huge Week 3 there against, against the Cardinals, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and, and to his credit, I think Tom Sula is taking a, uh, a page from Jim Harbaugh 
um, obviously, who was very good in those West Coast or East Coast games, and um, you know, not making a big deal of it. I mean, it's it's a business trip. Uh, we're not going to have special practice times. We're not going to stew about uh, sleep patterns and other things like that. We're just going to go over there and we're going to play. And um, yeah, I think that's the best approach. Just make it as simple as possible. Uh, and uh, you know, that's that's what Harbaugh did, and he had a lot of success doing it. Yeah, I love that about Tom Sula. He seems to be pushing all the right buttons. I love that. Hey, I have one more off-topic question for you, Matt. Uh, how close are the 49ers beat writers? I always laugh when, you know, you guys tweet out nearly the same info at the same time. You guys are all at the same press conference or part of the same interview. I always wonder if there's a competition there. Who can get the tweet out faster? Do you guys talk about that kind of stuff? We don't talk about it, but it's 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 in the room. I mean, we're all very close. Uh, it's, it's almost... Uh, a beat writers against the 49ers uh, thing uh, a lot of the times, especially when Harbaugh was around because he made it very difficult. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's honor uh, among the thieves uh, who are covering the team. Um, and they're, uh, you, know, the, we, we, you know, we go on the road together, uh, have dinner together. So, uh, you know, we're, we all have similar backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we are very close. We're probably closer than... I don't know. I, I would say that most than most other beats in the NFL, um, you know, it's just a, a bunch of really funny, funny guys. I mean, if I could tell you some of the the uh, the bits that go on uh, behind the scenes, which I cannot. Oh, uh, come on. Just, Do it off trust, mic sometime. Just, just trust that they are very funny. Uh, Eric Branch um, has a. Uh, he he runs the uh, the fine line between between being hilarious and insane, um, <laughs> and uh, everybody everybody else is funny too. Matt Mayoko, very funny guy. How often do you get confused with Matt Mayoko? I see people do that on a weekly basis. Well, I I've benefited from the fact that Adam Schefter confuses us. So whenever Matt <laughs> Mayoko breaks a story. He credits Matt Barrows for, yes. for breaking the story, and that's happened like two or three times. And the first time, I, I had to like, you know, go on the record and correct it. And it's like, you know, it wasn't really me who broke that story. It was Matt Miyoko. The last two times, I've just, I've just gone with it. Yeah, I just I, roll I, with I, it. I've, I've taken all the glory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is, of course, Matt Barrows, 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. You follow him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows. Hey, Matt, thank you so much again for joining us. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. So great having him on. Oh, my goodness. Always the best. He is – He talked. we talked a little bit about the beat writers there. He was our number one guy. We didn't even reach out to anybody No, else. he's and the only like one. I feel like we'd be cheating on him if we did. I agree. Right? I think we're just going to st- – anytime we need an inside look at the 49ers, he's going to be our guy. And I mean, as much as it sounds like it might be an interesting interview to get the zany – Right, borderline crazy Eric Branch on, <laughs> so maybe we should. But then again, maybe that that makes it a weird relationship with Barrows because you know <laughs> Branch is a little bit crazy. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We should do a thing where we keep a tally. I I, I try to keep track of that during day. I'm I'm gonna try to do it during the week too, and I'll be like, all right, so Barrows is leading three to one, and oh yeah, Mayoko he, he's jumping in there too. He had to. We'll do a head to head matchup. I like it. Sakamoto, we can get him in there too. Okay, yeah. Right. Tweets above replacement. Something like that. What's the tar? What's the tar on that? <laughs> All right, let's let's look ahead to that Pittsburgh matchup. It's going to be brutal, man. Obviously, Big week two, and hey, yeah. we didn't really talk about anything else around the league, but the Rams beat the Seahawks. The mm-hmm. NFC West is up for grabs. It looks like it's going to be even tighter than people thought. Yeah. Everybody, I think most people picked two teams from the West uh, making it into the NFC playoff picture, but man, this 
could be really tight yeah, if the I mean, 49ers can p- continue to play the way they did in week one. You set up for grabs, but at the same time, like it's going to be smash mouth. If anything, maybe only one team comes out here because they just beat up they on beat each, each other. other. That's entirely possible. Oh. And the NFC West is playing a brutal schedule they this are. year as well. They are, most definitely. I mean, we talk about the schedule. The Niners, you know, they're, they're going on a short week right now. They, were, they played on Monday. The Steelers played opening night Thursday, and the Niners have to travel cross country to do that 10 a.m. start time. We mentioned it with Matt Barrows. I'm not optimistic about it at all. And, you know, the team's just like, ah, it's whatever. It's what we have to do. But, I- you know, and we even talked about this a few weeks ago when we looked at the looked ahead at the schedule. Mm-hmm. And we, we picked our uh, big board of the biggest games of the season. Yeah, you had three above two. And the reason I argued against it is because of that very reason. And yeah. Matt Barrows said it's a, almost a bigger deal if they win the game than if they lose it. Yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, this was everybody kind of marked this down as an L. When they looked at the schedule going going forward, and, and yeah, I, I don't know too many people that put it as a W with everything kind of stacked against them. I mean, yeah, again, we mentioned it with Barrows. I mean, they don't have Marshawn or uh, Le'Veon Bell, so that's right. that's definitely an advantage for the 49ers. Some big losses, because not only are they missing Le'Veon Bell, they're missing Martavis Bryant. Right. They are missing Pouncey. I mean, uh, he's Marquise out. Pouncey, yeah, their best offensive lineman. So, um, and they and, didn't look good against against New England. You know, they put on they put up a bunch of stats, but that was just one of those games yeah, where two up tempo offenses are just you know shooting at each other back and forth. Um, D'Angelo Williams actually didn't look as bad as I thought he was. He's kind of he kind of doesn't completely look done versus the Pats, so he might have some tread left. So it's not like they don't have anything going there. Um, how many guys can the 49ers put on Antonio Brown is my question. Yeah, at least two. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe you roll coverage, a third out yeah, there. and kind of have a guy over the top. And, and then somebody. Heath Miller is going to get 27 catches, though. I mean, that's that's the thing. <laughs> right. If, if yeah. Brown's not open, he looks for 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 Miller. I mean, who else are you going to look for? Darius Hayward Bay? Come on. Come no, on. He's uh, still in the league. Yeah, he, it was weird to see him out He's got a little there. bit of speed. He can do some things, but he's not somebody that scares you. He doesn't scare you at all. He just he, he doesn't have the hands, and, and he d- he's just not all there yet. You, you thought it was going to be there last year. He wasn't there. He, he showed it again in week one that he, he's just not quite there. Antonio Brown is. He's the best receiver in football, and no doubt about it. He's tough to cover one-on-one. He can shake. You can get deep, and mm-hmm. he can get short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you mentioned D'Angelo Williams. He looked good. 21 carries, 127 yards. They The offense ran through him. Uh, it, it was it was a loss though, right? You know? Well, let's talk about their offense. So statistically, they were the second in the league. Uh, let's see, four hundred ninety-five yards well, offensively yeah, I mean, for the Steelers. Big Ben threw for three fifty-one. Right. A big, big chunk of that came when they were down late in the game. You know that the, t- the touchdown to Antonio Brown was was almost meaningless, right? You know, it came with what four seconds left in the game or something, and they were down two scores. Yeah, garbage time. Good yeah. for those fantasy owners. I the, have them the garbage in, kind in fantasy, the- so I was cheering. <laughs> <laughs> Love the garbage time touchdowns. Right. But this is one of those weeks where I will not be that upset if Antonio Brown does not produce for me. Ben Roethlisberger, much more difficult to bring down than Teddy Bridgewater. If the 49ers Ooh, are yeah. able to make it one-dimensional, it'll be fun to see if uh, they can give Roethlisberger fits like they did with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the Steelers' defense, they're 12th versus the run, 80 total yards, 3.3 yards per carry. So, But that, I think, is a deceiving stat because the Pats don't run the ball The Pats don't well. run the ball. They, they didn't. They run the ball so much. It was all about Brady in this one. So it's like, were, they, were the Pats even trying to run, or were they just doing it to keep you know Pittsburgh kind of right. honest? It's like they're kind of they're kind of reverse like what you normally think about right. an offense is trying to do. The changeup is the run for them, and their passing defense looks a bit weak. I mean, at least in the middle of the field, you look at what Brady did. I mean, huge game for Julian Edelman, eleven catches, ninety-seven yards. Gronk had the three touchdowns. Right. Could this be a big game for for Vernon Davis? His Maybe. bounce back. You week. look at that and you think, okay, yeah, Bolden yeah. over the middle. I mean, right. Um, four touchdowns they gave up right. to the, the Patriots in week one. Mm-hmm. Maybe That's, maybe Bruce Ellington finally gets involved, runs, runs some crossing routes. That and, will be interesting because the 49ers look like 
like they're going to be better running the ball than passing it. So if the Steelers are able to stop the run, you know, if they're only gaining 3.3 yards per carry like uh, the Pats did against the Steelers, it's on Cap. Can Cap yeah. be the guy? Put the I team wanna, on his back and win it. It'll I want to see fun to watch. Take a shot down the field. You know, right. open it up. Keep keep him on us for the deep ball and too. We I didn't mean, see any of that. We really. did not. We saw one pass pretty far to Vernon Davis. Vernon, yeah, in the first quarter. Yeah, the first but drive. I, I want to see it to Torrey Smith. Even if you overthrow him by ten yards, you know that way the defense has to think about it and show it early. Yeah, exactly. You keep that safety over the top. You know, he doesn't come down and tries to stop Hyde, which I'm sure they're going to do after what Hyde did on Monday night. Everyone's scheming for him. Absolutely. Reggie Bush, is he going to be back? I don't think so. I mean, they're saying it's not that big uh, of of an injury, but at the same time, with somebody who has his sort of injury history, you gotta you got to be cautious. Mike Davis, I think, is going to suit up. I mean, you heard Barrows mention it. Uh, it would be fun to see. It would be good to see him. He looked great in the preseason. Uh, maybe see a little bit more Hain as well. Right, and if, if Bush is gone, then we're definitely going to see Hyde and – or we're going to see Davis and Hain mm-hmm. active. You know, one thing I, I noticed about Hain, too, is I felt like at times when he was in there at running back, he was trying to run too low. You know, they keep saying, like, keep your pads low, keep your pads low. And I felt like he was just like, okay, I don't want to get hit. I noticed that. He, yeah. And it's, it's sort of take away from his ability to sort of have his head up and right. make moves. He was kind of just getting really square with his shoulders down. And it's understandable because the, the dude thing. muffed his first ever punt return. And all anyone's been saying is like, dude, you got to get lower. You're going to get blown up. You're going to get destroyed. It's a different level. You're going to get, you know, these these are real bullets, you know. So yeah. it, it, it got into his head a little bit, yeah, I'm sure. hands on the ball. Might have been playing a little tentative at that point. And, um, it'd be nice to see him have a nice return, kind of get some rhythm. So I hope they put him back there early and often. I know they – did you notice that was kind of odd how they took him out I after thought about the penalty? It. I thought about it, but it, it was after the penalty, but it was also after Reggie Bush went down. So now he was the backup running back, whereas before Bush was the backup running back. But wasn't he back there for the first punt return the, before – The first two. Yeah, the, the, no, the, but the I muff mean, punt. Even that, he was and back then there. the penalty. He was about ready to return the punt that they were kicking. Oh, yeah. And then and there was and a penalty, and then all of a sudden he was out. Maybe they, they wanted fresh legs or something. Yeah. It was really interesting. Or maybe because it was they got the penalty, so it was closer to the end zone. Haynes out there in the preseason catching balls over his head at like the six-yard <laughs> line, and he's already muffed a punt. Yeah, it just seems okay. like maybe Ellington's the safe play. And Ellington took it to the house. Yeah. But that was called back, another one of those penalties. Yeah. So yeah. that would be interesting how they mix those guys up. And we probably won't be seeing Reggie Bush returning kicks if they're going to yeah. probably have at this point, yeah, kids' gloves on them now. If you get injured in the second carry of the season, you're not going to be out there for special teams. That's right. What do you, what do you got? I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Loss? Unfortunately, I do. I see a loss. I see a good game. It may be low scoring. It may be like, you know, like a 13-10 kind of thing, just, just you know, smashing each other, hitting each other in the mouth back and forth. I, obviously, you know, it, I want them to win, but at the same time, I, I, I don't see it too many things stacked against them. I'm going to call a win. I like it. 2-0. I oh. wish I had the cojones that you do to call that. 2-0 and oh out of the gate. Oh, you know, because it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to remember next week. It's so a great it. call. <laughs> yeah, I, my, heart, my heart's with you 100%. My brain and my cojones, not so much. I'm going to say a W because if you can run the ball and you can stop the run, you have a chance in any game. Mm-hmm. If the 49ers lose this game, it's going to be one of those things where Ben Roethlisberger just does his thing. Yeah. And the 49ers can't do anything about it. That's very true. You know, Antonio Brown, he, he's making catches off of defenders. You know, he, you throw it near him, he's going to catch it. It'll be interesting to see Tremaine Brock. He's probably going to, he may not shadow him. I, I don't know. They might keep him out there. They may move Brown over, see if Acker can cover him. You know, maybe they move him inside and, and see, uh, make the, the Niners run a little nickel defense. I don't know. 
Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. It's be fun That's to watch. And like Barrow said, we, nobody had seen what Mangini's scheme is going right. to look like with the 49ers. So we'll see if that scheme even looks the same. And one of the things, according to ESPN Stats and Info, uh, Bridgewater was was blitzed quite a few times. He went 6 for 9 for 53 yards in an interception and was sacked four times on blitzes. So it, the, the blitz schemes were definitely working really well. But again... You know now now they can now they can scheme for it. Now it's they, also where you can get hit hard if they don't if they don't connect. That's right. That's right. And with Antonio Brown and Big Ben, and if they do blitz, hit Big Ben, bounce off him. Yes, which Ugh. is where uh, Martavius Bryant it comes in yeah. handy that he's not there because he's a guy that can get deep in a hurry. Yeah, uh, he's he's a studly deep threat. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the screen pass to D'Angelo Williams where I would be if Le'Veon Bell was still around. That's true. That negates so any blitz. Really good time for the 49ers to be seeing Pittsburgh. You no know, doubt. maybe the timing of actually what day it's on and, and you know. With, with the how many days of rest the Steelers have versus the 49ers isn't ideal, but I'll still take that in week two over you know a full Steelers squad. Sure. 49ers 1-0. All Let's right. make it 2-0, baby. I hope so, buddy. I hope so. They're going to be in Pittsburgh. Early game, 10 a.m. for us. I want to thank Matt Barrows for coming on the show. Of course. I want to ask all of you out there, give us a review on iTunes. We have shockingly few reviews on iTunes for how many listeners we have. I know there's a lot of listeners out there on iTunes. So let us know how you feel about the show, what we can improve. You can follow me at BD Peacock on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Bay Area Wink. Next week on Gold Faithful, Arizona Cardinals preview that game with Adam Green of Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. That should be fun. It's going yeah. to be the, the the first divisional game. That's right. going to be exciting. It's going to be a good barometer. Hopefully they're 2-0 right. going the into it. The 49 will be looking to go 3-0 and, and Realistically take one possession one. of first place in the NFC West. Right. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. All right. For Nick Winkler and Brian Peacock, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. See you. Nine, four, three, one, two, three, nine. Nine.